And welcome everybody to Haunting Live Podcast this week. Thank you so much for being here. We are live right now, and thank you so much for taking your time out to be with us here this week and joining us for our special guest, who we will bring on in just a moment. I'm very excited this week to have this guest on as well. So, But first of all, don't forget to uh, follow us on our social media. It would help us out a lot if you subscribe and also like our videos that we do post if you like our content here that we provide each and every week on Haunting Live Podcast. But this week we do have a very special guest. I am excited about this one. Uh, it's a show that I watched in the past and uh, enjoy very much and honored to have one of the cast on here today of Out TV's Knock Knock Ghost. We welcome Kevin Whitaker. Hi Kevin, how are you? Doing well. Great, thank you for joining us here today on Haunting Live. I appreciate it very much. Um, I know you're the medium on the show for Knock Knock Ghost on Out TV, and that's been one of my um, shows I watched in the past and love watching the series. Uh, so thank you for taking time today to talk to us about what you do on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. No, it's wonderful to have you here. I um, always wanted to have at least one of you guys from the show here, so uh, great to have the medium that's on the show. Um, so, But I want to talk a little bit first about your background specifically, um, being a medium and stuff. How did you get into the mediumship field yourself? From childhood, I would see spirits, and I just felt like there were the extra people in my home. Um, and I had a hard time like sharing that. I, I grew up in the Bible Belt in South Carolina, and it's just not cool. <laughs> or it's frowned upon. It's, it's demonic or woo, you know, scary. Um, but as I got older, or I found more friends who were into the paranormal um, throughout high school, the more I embraced what was going on. Um, and we would take, that's when our first little investigation start, uh, I guess it was about 16 years old and, and, uh, we take the time to explore like, like what, not only what was going on with me, but kind of answer those big questions that all of us had. Um, from there, I, um, I worked for a law firm for a bit of time. I ended up, uh, as a legal investigator and then a private investigator working in wrongful death and missing persons cases, hated it. It doesn't translate into like very, uh, comfortable connections with spirits. Uh, um, we literally are looking for like a missing persons and then you have their spirit. It's, it gets frightening. Yeah. Uh, so that translated into doing professional readings. Um, that's interesting too that you're sort of like a private investigator at the same time that you're leaning into mediumship. Um, did the two paths ever cross? Did you actually get to communicate with spirit while you're kind of doing some investigating work on the side or? A, a little bit. And um, I guess I was always kind of troubled that um, like it definitely had those, those moments where 
you know, spirit or intuition led us to answers within a case, uh, I guess the heartbreak is it doesn't always translate to a successful conclusion, uh, you know, as per, you know, each case you have, it just doesn't work that way. Um, but I found that like initially when I first started doing readings, it was like the source of skepticism. It's like, oh, he was an investigator. He can investigate everybody, <laughs> you know, and have those answers and stuff. And so um, that's just simply not the way it worked. Um, the, the wrongful death stuff too put us on the side occasionally of uh, insurance companies and stuff. And I just felt icky about, you know, determining whether, you know, someone was negligent in the cause of their own passing uh, and have an insurance company say, well, no, we're not going to pay out uh, for that. It, it just, it left me icky. Um, so I gave that up in the 90s. Yeah, it's hard to combine those two together as a prof professional job on that end and having your mediumship on the other side, but trying to use that to, I guess, um, help out your professional job is kind of weird as well. Um, I guess you might see it one way, but say your bosses or somebody else that you're dealing with might not see it the way that you do, right? So, Yeah, yeah, it, and it, it was tough to, um, I had my mentor in investigating step me aside and says, you ever thought about giving like an intuitive reading? And I'm like, <laughs> what <laughs> you know and uh um he was like well there's definitely something weird going on with you so you you might want to explore that route um and, and it left me feeling because i grew up on a farm and there was like this level of toughness we had to have it, it left me feeling like i was too sensitive for the job so to speak but then it's great to be too sensitive as a medium you know it's it's great to plug into that emotion and uh, work to, to render conclusions for people. So did you find then that you were leaning more into the mediumship side of things when you were working on the farm back home? Was it sort of something that overcame the farm aspect rather than you know I, I, wanting I, to stay there at home? Yeah, it definitely had gave me that sense that I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't gonna stay on the farm. It's, it's weird because at 50 years old, I would do anything to live on that farm and run the farm. Um, but back then, I think I knew I was uh, I was destined to not be there and that that wasn't meant to be my life's work. And so it caused me to have this vast exploration of what I would do. Um, I went on to like teach elementary school and give private readings and uh, decided, well, teaching's not my bag either. <laughs> and um, I, I guess I was at a loss for for what to do other than to do readings. And once I got started, it was very encouraging uh, the response that I received. That's wonderful that you had a positive entry into the mediumship field then that you guys, you actually were able to kind of ease into it the way you wanted to out of your field of the farm. So um, let's talk about that a little bit then. Um, how was it for you once you started doing it? Did you find it an easy process to go through for yourself or how did you start your development? Yeah, I, th I think that embracing the mediumship and the intuition and, and the psychicness was maybe a harder process because there just weren't that many contemporaries back then in the 90s where I could point and say, well, I, I know what a reading looks like or I know who this is. I went to a psychiatrist because I felt like there was a point where I was like, okay, what's happening to me? Is this 
a negative thing or am I imagining it? Or, and then on the third or fourth session, I was told that I should watch John Edward crossing over, if you remember that show. Um, and I thought, that can't be your answer. I don't have insurance and I'm paying for, the, for your professional advice. <laughs> so there's a little bit of denial at first. It's like, okay, I didn't want that necessarily to be who I was. And, but the more I allowed its presence there, the more I received spirit, communicated message, the less I was like afraid of it or afraid of, it's kind of like a stigma uh, down there. It's like, a, this is going to be the stigma for the rest of my life. Um, and it's funny because my perspective on that in 2021 now is like, well, I'm honored to be a messenger for spirit. And there's no stigma whatsoever. So at what point then did you actually kind of grow out of that stigma? Was it some event that happened that you were like, okay, this is what I was meant to do? Or did some, did one of the messages actually came into you? Yeah, this is what I was supposed to do? Or I, I think it had a lot to do with my parents just accepting it. I, I know that sounds strange because uh, I was grown. <laughs> I was a grown man when that moment happened for me. Um, but I knew I was comfortable with what I did and, uh, I got a great response from my client base and, um, I, I felt the rewards of making those connections, but it wasn't until my parents like fully understood what I was doing. Uh, we had filmed a TV pilot for a, a different TV show and, uh, what I did within that pilot, like made national news in Canada. And uh, it was been a, it was me being able to share that moment with my parents, and they they were like, "Oh yeah, we always knew." <laughs> or yeah, it gave them a moment where it's like, "Oh cool." Um, although I don't know that my dad always fully understood. He he knew he knew enough about the psychicness, um, but I don't know that he fully understood the mediumship side. He passed back in uh, 2020. Uh, sorry for your recent loss there. That's unfortunate, um, but uh, it does happen. So, um, but was that made it easier for you in, in a way that you kind of knew what was going to happen if something like that happens? Because I know you told me some news as well that, unfortunately, you have cancer yourself. So that's unfortunate as well. So, um, how does that make you feel that you know some things, being a medium that other people don't know? Yeah, I, I think that definitely plays into that intuitive. I always separate uh, my mediumship and my psychicness into three different categories. Intuition is simply that uh, that kind of emotional response to something yet to happen. So it's like you feel giddy about just meeting someone and you can't explain that and they end up being your best friend or or uh, you're weary of getting in the car that day and then you realize there's there's a you know eight car collision on the highway or something. Um, and then there's the precognition where you foresee those moments in your lives uh, or in your life. And, and I really had to lean into those aspects. And then I felt that I, I felt strongly that I received a message from my dad that suggested that there was cancer present to begin with. Um, and oddly, that was in the form of kidney stones. Uh, uh, the last couple of times I'd had kidney stones, uh, my dad had taken me to the hospital one time and we were visiting my parents in South Carolina the second time. So the third time it happened, it happened, I told my wife, I said, my dad, my dad put this on me. And Sam's like, well, 
like why would he do that and then we find out i have the same uh the same renal cancer that my dad had and it it made a moment like actionable i knew where things were going because of how they occurred with him um so, so in a way but you still go to bed at night when you hear cancer and you're thinking well i see my life beyond this moment and i had a nephrectomy and um back in may uh the may 2-4 weekend um and uh so so they they think it's all contained and i good got a good report just on just on friday so um but you still go to bed at night and you're like scared to death you could be wrong and that you could lose any everything due to your health uh and so it's frightening you just have to trust what you foresee is is what is to occur for you so yeah i think it helped yeah that's good that it helped um and then i think it gives you like you said some more comfort in knowing day to day or going to bed that night that you received what you received from a message from somebody or um that you knew it came from a place of love right so yeah i i remember just being my wife said that i first said that when i was i was under like percocets and all these drugs for pain they sent me home to pass the kidney stones at home and and had discovered the tumor and she's like you told me that under like when you were drugged up and you're drugged up super so i was like um yeah i just knew that it made sense that that was the parallel and that dad would want me to discover it earlier so that I would have a different, different experience. And a safer and hopefully uh, one that doesn't result in the same ending. So hopefully they did catch it all for you and it'll be resolved for you. So, um, but let's switch a little bit of topics here now. Um, I would like to ask you how, um, how did things originate with the series Knock Knock Ghost? Because that's what you're known for. You're the medium ship you're the medium that's on that series. Um, how did it all start for you? How did they find you and uh, what led you to being on the series? Um, yeah, see, I got a message from Lauren Whitelaw, uh, who is one of the producers of the show. Uh, she's married to Kyle Whitelaw, who is our director, producer. Uh, he's just the most creative person I've ever met. Um, but it, Lauren, had, I, I think she emailed us first and asked if I would be interested in doing a show. Um, and I kind of put her off. I remember being like, yeah, we can meet up next week and talk about it. Um, and then we got a quick email response back, asked if I could meet that day. <laughs> so I went and met Lauren and then uh, um, Kyle had come along. And so I kind of gave them a little, you know, mini, mini nugget of information. Yeah, a little mini reading um and they were a yes for the show and i was too i don't my only skepticism about the show was when he described it to me he described that there was comedy as a co comedic ghost hunting show and uh, i was afraid of making light of uh, the ghost hunting aspect or the psychic tour part but um, I, I shouldn't have been afraid of that. I, I went home and uh, we shotgun the first two seasons with Jim Hunt, who's a, an incredible medium. Um, and I was like, it's done so well that it's hard unless you see it. You can't imagine what that looks like. There's these little comedy sketches 
um, between a very serious psychic tour and an incredibly legitimate ghost hunt. And um, I think because he honored the psychic tour and the ghost hunt and kept it separate from the funniness, um, that it just works. So, so from there we shot our first episode was um, Lang Pioneer Village. Um, I can't, I, I don't know where that is exactly. I think it's up near Peterborough, maybe. Um, and it just, it, everybody just clicked. That was the first time I had like a group of 10 to 12 people uh, that you're expected to work with. Cause sometimes psychics and mediums don't work well with others. <laughs> um, but um, it's the first time I just, it, it clicked. We were like a big family. No, that's wonderful that you guys actually work together really well and things click, like you said. And that's really important when you're working not only in a setting like shooting a TV show because you have to know what each person's role is um, in order to finish your work, right? You can't just be willy-nilly about it and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. You have to know what you're doing on a show, right? Um, but also in the mediumship side of things, you have to know what you're doing too. So you have to have your mediumship separate from the show, but know what you're doing for the show. So it's great that you guys are able to work together and make it work. So, and I have seen, like I said, I'm a pretty big fan of the show and I like the series a lot. And I know, I think it is part of the format of the show to, like you said, have a comedy based part in it, but I actually showcase the ghost hunting part of it as well. So. Yeah, it's a, it, uh, I, it doesn't seem like it'd be something that could balance, but we found that um, for my family, at least, we all could sit there and watch it and take a look at something. Um, here, oddly, my wife's not a fan of ghost hunting shows. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not her thing, but she could sit there and watch it along with me and my kids, definitely. Um, it spooked the hell out of my 10-year-old. He was just like, no thanks. <laughs> That's awesome that your family can watch it, and I think it is a family-type show where anybody can watch. It's not like a, certain people can watch it all show lonely. So I do think it's a wonderful show that they put together. So um, let's talk a little bit now about some of the places you guys went to. You mentioned the one, the Lang Village. Um, what are some of the other locations that were mem memorable to you? I think the two that stand out like the most for me is Aurelia Opera House and Aurelia, Ontario. Um, and... Uh, Ruth Ben uh, National Historical Site, um, and that's in Cayuga, I think. Um, what's cool about the two of those is, like, literally what I see of the location, that my psychic tour happens, like, within seconds of arriving at a location. So, like, if there was no, no psychicness, no mediumship there, you know, a theater is like one hell of a, you know, jamming place to go and investigate. It should be light and easy and fun. Um, but like getting in there and feeling the pull in two different directions, like the uh, basement had such like dark negative energy and to have the spirit that I cleared from the jail cell, like what's a jail cell doing in, on, in a theater? I have no clue. Um, but to have that and then have the lightness of the upper spaces was, it was just such a dynamic place. I'd never been anywhere like that before. Um, and then Ruthven had been in the same family for like 150 years or something. And when it became a national historical park, uh, the, the 
their last name's not Ruffin, Thompson, the Thompson family uh, donated everything, like all their possessions and everything within the house, uh, you know, for this museum to go and explore. And I find that that layer of like artifacts or that place that's been kept just the way it was lands like the most incredible inviting place for family spirits. Uh, it gives them like a 150 year playground uh, to explore. And so it's the only place I've ever been ever where we walked in the door and within seconds, the ghost hunting equipment all went off. Um, I was able to share what I was getting in an impactful way and have it corroborated with the equipment, which uh, to me is what that should be like the, the key element of any uh, medium mediumship led ghost hunting uh, show or even ghost hunting uh, adventure um, is that there should be that degree of corroboration. No, that's great. Um, we can testify to the early Opera House because here at Haunting Live, that's one location that we have done as well. So we actually did that location too. And um, we can corroborate with you that yes, there is some negative energy down in the basement and there is different energies upstairs as well. We got activity on the stage area. We got activity uh, just in the seating area as well. So, um, and we actually went upstairs. I don't know if you guys got to go up to the very top into sort of the... Um, the booth area but Where they used to broadcast yeah yeah we got to go up there and investigate as well and um we got some interesting things happening there too we had a little group session up in that back room and uh we saw shadows and we got a shadow on video from that room and we had stuff thrown at us as well from that room too so some poltergeist stuff too upstairs it's so. definitely a place i want to go back mm. to um we there was this uh like secondary theater room that was painted black um and that's where we got a majority of our activity, but it's the one place where I've been told it hasn't happened on TV before, where a medium says, well, the, the motion detector is gonna go off and you know this is gonna go off. And I just point to both and say, okay, those two things are gonna go off and they do, um, but I don't know. I mean, it, a fan told me that so they could be a fan on our show, but yep. It was definitely one of the busiest places and beautiful. Um, like, like um, it really has that kind of grand theater look to it. Yeah, it's an awesome location. And uh, when we were there doing ours, it was wonderful just to walk around, see all the historicness that it has, learning about the history of it as well. Um, I know a few things that used to be a police station at one point, and that's why there's jail cells down below. So that's where that comes from. But it used yeah, that's, to... uh, I, don't, I don't get the history. So yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. it, I think that's why it was like disconcerting for me is um, you see it, you expect theater and then you go in there and be pulled in two different directions but um i think when richard was given his intro we were doing a bit at the after i'd done my psychic tour where Bree's in like a police outfit <laughs> and so that was the first point where i was like oh that explains it so um i'm usually filming my psychic tour at the same moment Richard's filming the intro. So it gives us kind of that first two chances and then we're in two different parts of the building. So I have my team, I should say hello to them. I, th I think about Roma who, who does our photographs on the Instagram. Uh, uh, Roma 
is like the set mom for me, so she keeps me in line. Uh, but she she's uh, central to the team. Yeah. No, it's awesome. You guys have such a great team that you work together, and you can, like I said, there's so much going on in the production to film and edit stuff. You don't know what's going on with the other part of your team. So, for you guys to be able to work together, that's amazing. So, yeah, we have our moments, but I think everybody does, where it's just like, for real. <laughs> Richard's like the best neutral skeptic I've ever met in my life, meaning he's not. Like some skeptics feel as if they, uh, like it's their religion. It's personal that everything should be debunked. But Richard comes at it as kind of neutral. And so he's like vastly surprised sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, how can you not tell that that's evidence? You know, uh, I, I would smack him, but he's like a head taller than, taller than me. <laughs> yeah for sure Richard's a pretty big guy for sure I think he can handle himself against a spirit so but actually that's a good question for you then um between you and the cast members on the show um has there been one moment that's kind of stood out between you guys that was like wow that was unexpected or something strange happened that even yourself or Richard or Bree was like I wasn't expecting that <laughs> door in the first uh, episode of season three that was at lane pioneer village um and what was unfortunate is we were kind of setting up for the uh exit shot uh and so the ghost hunt kind of had officially wound down uh so richard Bree, and i are on the other side of the door of the uh i think it's called the kina hotel and in, in the pioneer village uh so the camera crew is waiting for our exit we're discussing like who's going to walk out first, you know, and where we're going to be positioned. Um, and two seconds later, the door just kind of slams right in our face. Um, and Richard swears he heard like something go up the stairs, like a scurrying up the stairs. And so it was a moment where he's more skeptically inclined. He's just like, you know, holy, you know, the, it, it just floored us all. And so I took some time to kind of debunk the door, but it cheats my way. Um, and I didn't want to be on my first, in, you know, investigation go totally was spirit, you know, and, and one of us bumped it or something, but, um, it, yeah, it was a big, huge, it, it kind of put the exclamation mark on an incredible, just adventure, an incredible ghost hunt. No, that sounds amazing. At least that was something that happened when all the cast was right there. You know, there's no denying it. Like, that door closed by itself, and you, you, and you saw it, right? So, Yeah, I mean, it's cool to have Richard be like, there, yeah, there's no way it's going to close, or the wind's going to catch it or anything. Uh, so it, it's cool to have our skeptic be the first one to go, nope, spirit did that. And just for a quick question as well, um, Richard was picked as a skeptic, or was he chosen just to be like a host type person or what was his connection chosen yeah a little bit of both um he richard's uh comedian up here and has done like uh you know morning radio and he, he does a mean stand-up show and um yeah he's definitely he was picked as the comedic host slash skeptic um and and that's his it, he has this kind of attitude of like hey prove it to me uh, and I think that's essential for this show. Yeah, no, that's a good way to have the skeptic. You don't want to, or sorry, the host. You don't want a host that is kind of like all in it saying, yeah, it's all real right away. You have to kind of play both sides of it, right? So, yeah, 
and, and there's a point where it's like uh, sometimes you're watching the shows and you know a demon appears every single episode that's a little bit scary too <laughs> yeah for sure you don't want that happening in every episode either so you have to have that balance in the paranormal shows i think so yeah definitely um anyway so uh, where do you see the series going then um since you're from season three is there any future series being produced or what's the story with that yeah, right now we're waiting a green light. So that could either come from LTV. Um, and so someone just has to make a decision there to say, yes, the show goes forward. Uh, it's our original home here in Canada. And, and I think it's on LTV in the States as well, if you ha happen to have it. Um, or it could come from Discovery Plus. Uh, they're kind of stepping back and have told us that they're watching the numbers, basically. Um, so they haven't officially green, green lit anything. Is it green lit or green lighted? Who knows? Um, we're just looking for it. Um, but we're eager to do another investigation. The whole team still intact. Uh, the majority of our crew, uh, are ready for season four. So we're just kind of sitting back and waiting. That's great. Um, hopefully there will be a season four. I look forward to that, especially if it does come out. Um, like I said in the, in the first, I'm a big fan of the show, so it's wonderful to have you on here today to uh, get to talk to you about the series and what's involved in being the medium on the series. So, And also the locations, too. It's fascinating that they're all local Canadian locations because you know how in the U.S. they're always emphasized as a U.S. location, right? So it's great to get that Canadian content out there, too. So. Yeah, it gives me a good chance, too, as an American, because uh, I, I moved to Canada I was uh, about 11 years ago. Uh, to, I, I think it's maybe a bonus that I'm unfamiliar with a, a majority of Canadian history, but this has given me an avenue to, like, learning it. Uh, so some, some things as simple as, like, the way government's structured. Uh, when we mentioned Aurelia, that there was a you know police station within this theater, and that there was a jail cell, uh, and, and it's like, well, you know, the American in me is like, well, why? Uh, but then the American in me, they, they don't let me know where we're going necessarily. So we go to this Aurelia, and I'm like, okay. And then you see this theater in the middle of what to me appears to be like a smallish town. Uh, and I'm like, well, what the hell is that doing here? <laughs> so, so it just gives me a chance to like geek out and be a tourist all over again in Canada. Yeah, do you have a fun time going around to the locations and just being a tourist and walking around and seeing new buildings, seeing our history and learning about stuff? Or Yeah, definitely. Um, or learning that maybe everything you were told in the States wasn't quite true. <laughs> Um, I think about there's a little place where I get spirits constantly near my home uh, here in uh, Stony Creek. And there was an 1812 battle um, th that I had like no idea happened there uh, where the uh, the American forces were wiped out there and that at that battle site. But to go down and, you know, I'm just walking my dog down there. I'm like, well, why why are all these like. I consider them period spirits because they come from a particular time period. Like, why are they congregated here? And so to go back and delve and explore that history as like, oh, oh, they didn't teach us that in the States. <laughs> 
And yeah, they don't really teach a lot of stuff in the states that happened here in Canada, especially stuff to do with the wars. Uh, War of 1812 was a big issue here in Canada, and uh, that happened um, a lot down where you are, especially um, in Niagara region too. There's a lot of history there too. So yeah, it's a big deal here, but um, it's great that you can learn about stuff like that in paranormal and investigating. That goes hand in hand, I think too. So um, so what are you guys working on now? Is there anything that you want to uh, sort of promote or talk about before we let you go today? I've just been solid, solidly booked with readings. So um, I've been trying to concentrate on those. I've been entertaining... Uh, not so much other shows and the, in the idea that I'm going to like ditch, knock, not ghost or anything, but I, I like to be in the space of creation. Um, so, um, I've been trying to work with, uh, Kyle some on what we can create, um, as far as like future television. Um, and that's a little bit of a departure for me. Um, I, I think that, you know, 20 years from now, God willing, I'll still be doing my readings. Um, that's that's where i want to be um my wife starts a yoga teacher's training uh soon so i think there'll be a lot of babysitting <laughs> and i am working on a book um I, I did a series of instagram posts back around uh halloween regarding my uh most frightening paranormal investigations and i've just realized that that was the like the good substance or the body of of uh oh a work of uh, all those investigations a book so um i'm i'm right now in the process of of fleshing all that out sounds great uh look forward to that coming out as well as any possible new shows that you're on in the future we'll check that out for sure and of course you're welcome back here on haunting live anytime that you want to come back on and uh, talk about your book or any shows or whatever you like so and if you ever want to hook up and just do a ghost hunt or something, Ooh. I'd love to get together. I understand you guys are like an hour away or something. Yeah, so. we're close to you. We're located in Kitchener, Ontario, so we're not too far away from your location, and that would be awesome, sure. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, don't forget, guys, to check out Knock Knock Ghost. Um, you said it's on Discovery Plus as well as Out TV. Um, are they are they doing reruns as well, or is it just sort of uh, yeah, on hold now? Too. One through three are on Discovery Plus in the mm. States. Um, LTV, of course, uh, has it here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're on fruittv.uk uh, in the UK. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Kevin, so much. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. And um, like I said, thank you so much for being here on Haunting Live this week. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Sorry for that, guys. Uh, had audio uh, issue there, but we got it fixed. Um, thank you guys so much for being here on um, Haunting Live Podcast this week. Uh, thank you for joining us here 
on having Kevin as our guest from Knock Knock Ghost on Out TV series. Um, if you want to check him out, he is on Out TV and also on Discovery Plus, so you can check out his series Knock Knock Ghost, where he is the medium on the show. So thank you guys so much for being here. We appreciate it for you guys uh, following us on our social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube if you like what you see here today. Also hit the like button as well. That helps us out a lot. And uh, follow us, of course, on our Facebook and Instagram as well. We do a lot of postings over there. And, of course, if you forget to watch us or you don't have time to watch a live show here each and every week on Sundays at 4 o'clock on YouTube, you can check us out on the podcast apps later on. But with that, guys, thank you so much. And, of course, uh, don't forget to tune in next week. We have a brand new paranormal guest coming up next week on Haunting Live. And uh, with that, guys, stay safe. Um, especially with this uh, new uh, virus going around for um, COVID. So be safe with that. Take all precautions that you can. We can't stress that enough here at Haunting Life. Uh, just stay safe as you can, okay? And also, Merry Christmas. This is our pre-Christmas show. Uh, next episode will be on Boxing Day. So we'll look forward to that with you guys on your holidays. Hope to see you there as well. So with that, guys, have a great weekend and have a Merry Christmas. And we'll see you guys later. I have been a medium or an intuitive since any of my family can remember. When I started talking, it wasn't always to people who were in the room. Well, I started off as revealing light tarot. I've um, moved more over the last four years, um, astrology and spiritualism. In a way, spiritualism goes back to my roots. I suppose my first gift I had, and I thought everybody knew, I thought this is a really bad one. I always knew when people were not telling the truth. And I thought everybody could do that. It was a bit of a shock afterwards when I found out that actually what I was doing, I was, I was tapping into something else. So when I was a very young kid, I actually used to see some orbs in my room and dark, dark figures, and I, I was very afraid of the dark. It was right when I had like one computer in the whole house. Um, and I would go on and I'd Google ghosts and like look into it to see, understand them, but I would also get very freaked out. Join us here as you are Divine Oracle Meetings on the live radio show. This is great where you get to actually be able to listen, sit back, and hear what's going on with us here actually at the Live Podcast and Divine Oracle Readings. Who knows, you may be able to take part. You can only catch us live here online on Facebook.